Perhaps I was talking when I should have been listening. No matter what happens, you've got to hang on. Johnny, relax. Now you give him everything he wants, you understand? Now let's see what happens when we mix these two elements together. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are now listening to the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome back. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. It is season five, episode 13, and we're going to be talking about what I learned from losing a million dollars. Now, I know what you're thinking, Hunter. When did you make a million dollars and when did you lose it? Well, it wasn't by me. This is actually a book, and the name of the book is What I Learned from Losing a Million Dollars by Jim Paul and Brandon Malohan. And it was something I passed, and it was an interesting read along it because although this is going to be more dealing with stocks, I'm going to add a twist to it and talk about overall risk in life and how we can mitigate it and analyze the risk that we're taking rather than just talking about stocks the entire time. Because although stocks can be interesting personally to me, maybe it's not as interesting to someone else, but I think the overall picture of the risk mitigation and analyzing your risk is uh, pretty important in everyday life, whether it be your job or a side hustle or, you know, whatever everyday life brings you, I think it's very important with those three attributes to really focus in. So uh, there was a guy by the name of Jim Paul, and he wanted one thing in life, and it was to make money, and as much as that as he could. So decades later, he was on top of the world and just made $248,000 in a single day. He'd reached the top young and brimming with self-confidence. So he was at the at his firm, he was which was the uh, Chicago uh, Mercantile Exchange. He was like one of the top people. And the thing was is that there was many mistakes he made along the way, and he he learned from his mistakes. And within his book, he did a really good job uh, of talking about it. And um, it ended up in him losing his job, and his manager fired him and seized all of his assets. By that point, he'd already lost $800,000, which was half of it was borrowed from friends. So he had to tell these people that he lost money, which was the hardest thing to own up to. So why did Paul stick to his decision when all evidence was pointing the other way with his investments? So we're going to be talking about multiple main points of this, and it was understanding loss is a better way to get and stay rich than knowing how to make money. So we all love the idea and the shortcut uh, to fame and fortune, but and you could go to a, a bookstore or online and you can find thousands upon thousands of business books and this is what you need to do in stocks or blah, 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 blah. And the thing is, it's hard to know how you can trust people given that there's so many people out there giving you tips and having books. So who do you listen to? Well, sadly, there isn't a single trick for getting risk, rich. And um, although there's like, gurus out there that will say like this is how i made ten thousand dollars in a day this is amazon fba drop shipping all this stuff and the thing is is they're going to show you their good portfolio what uh people have done and then they won't show you the bad things that happen in most case scenarios so it's hard to listen to people especially trust people especially with your uh money so 
I'm going to show you a lot of these gurus, well, not gurus, um, actual geniuses uh, have many different advice that basically contradicts itself from one person that made a lot of money to another. So let's give an example of that. So Ian Templeton is one of the most successful uh, investors in the 20th century, and he tells you to diversify your investments. This sounds like a good idea, right? Uh, that's, that's what I've been taught in economics and finance and all this stuff. But comes along Warren Buffett with a net worth of $100 billion and tells you the exact opposite. Concentrate your investments, he says. So it's pretty confusing to take a look at any of the books out there and they're telling you how to invest, trade, and make a fortune. And you'll know that the greatest multimillionaires don't agree on much. So what do they see eye to eye? There is one bit of vital ad advice that they can give. Don't lose money. Warren Buffett gives you two solid rules when it comes to investing. The first one, never lose money. The second one, never forget the first one. <laughs> and it sounds so simple, right? But that's something that can be agreed upon. It's like, okay, don't lose money, right? And then uh, he's not the only one. There was a Wall Street legend, um, Binyard Butchers, which was one of his top tip was learning how to take losses quickly and cleanly. And then this is how he built his fortune to $300 million. So his wisdom, he says, don't lose money. These inv investors follow their own path to the top and getting rich is personal. So what they all had in common was that they knew how to minimize their losses. So how should you be understood? What is the best way of proceeding it? Most importantly, how can you avoid losses or at least minimize it? So let's talk about that. And then before we move on to talking about that, I want to give a quote. Learning how not to lose money is more important than learning how to make money. I'm really emphasizing that. So learning how to lose money, learning not, <laughs> I'm going to re-say that. Learning how not to lose money is more important than making money itself. Because if you keep on losing money, then it doesn't matter how much, well, I guess if your profits uh, subsets your losses, but if your losses are always conquering your profits, then it doesn't matter. So learning from your losses is one of the most important thing. And the main point, another main point that the author talks about, Paul, was react poor, we react poorly to losses, and that often makes the situation a lot worse, especially in the stock market when you're basing off emotions and not logic and analyzing it or have a set plan. You're going to come into, you're like, you see that you're in the red and you've lost, I don't know, $500 in a day, and you're like, like, oh my gosh, do I sell? Do I double down? Like, I bet the stock price is going to go up. Those th those thoughts start tracking in your mind, and those are based off emotion, not logic. So that's why it's important to have a plan, which we'll talk in a second about. See, the problem is that uh, people often take, take it personally when they lose in the markets or lose in life. Um, they feel like they, did, they didn't do anything wrong, and they have trouble accepting it in controlling their losses. We all hate making mistakes in everyday life. That's what makes it easy to lose sight of the bigger picture, and emotions can cloud our judgments and make things worse. So take the soybean market, for example. You analyze, uh, your analysis tells you that the price is going to rise, so you decide to buy. But then they start to fall. 
you've lost $100,000 and your investment is looking shaky. What do you do? So a coldly rational thinker tells you that your analysis was flawed and the best tactic is to cut your losses and walk away. But uh, the hardest thing is that we don't always follow cold logic. They're human. We're humans like the rest of us, like everyone that's made mistakes. They can make emotional decisions and take it personally. So they're like, oh, I got to double down. Where where does it leave them is the question. I've made a mistake and I've lost 100000 because of it. Or they can double down and on their original decision and say the market was wrong and I'm right and it's just a matter of time before it turns around. Admitting mistakes are never easy. And that's with everyday life, right? It's very hard to own up to the things that you have done and that's why my podcast, The Extreme Ownership, is so important, the last one. Um, and it talks about that. That's why traders ignore the advice and wait for the markets to shift. The danger is very high and often the markets don't shift. And when that happens, an acceptable loss quickly snowballs into something that's very serious. Another main point was we make mistakes and lose money when our analysis is based on common fallacies. So let's have an example. So you're you're flipping a quarter, heads or tails, and you hit heads seven times. So your rational thought next time is that oh, it's going to be heads again. So, but that's not true. It's this fallacy that we're trying to see a pattern when there isn't a pattern, uh, especially in the market. There can be patterns, of course. I'm not saying, and by any means, I'm not an expert. It's This is what this book said, uh, and I'm going based off the book. And it was heads or tails, and this guy uh, said, oh, it must be heads because it's hit heads the other six or seven times. This is this is what's called a logical fallacy. It's it might sound like it's statistically proven because we've hit head six times beforehand, six or seven times, and this is how we make bad calls and have very bad, dangerous outcomes. Logic tells us that it's a fifty-fifty chance of heads every round. There's no single throw that has a bearing on the next, but we're not creatures of pure logic. We want to see patterns where none exist. So traders do this all the time and inevitably ends up biting them. And so let's give it another example. You're investing in lumber and it's having a bad run. The price dips one day and then again and then again and then again. Reason tells you that inevitably you're invest, uh, that you need to reevaluate your investment. But basically human psychology isn't like that. If you just hold out a bit longer at whispers, the market is sure to turn. At that point, you're not addressing your problems with assessing your market. You are straight up gambling. And this is with, I'm going to switch it with life as well. You know, whatever it may be when there's a hard time when we need to cut our losses in everyday life, it doesn't have to be the stock market. Um, an example uh, I learned on eBay, uh, and I couldn't double down because it's not like the stock market, but like I, I'm reselling things and there's a lot of learning and then I see like my overhead and then I wasn't even accounting for time and I'm like, wow, I'm making like $2 an hour at this rate and it's terrible. And uh, it was evaluating and realizing I made a mistake, owning that mistake, and then moving forward. It was because of that that I've been able to assess when I'm posting things or 
not letting things go for uh, a smaller amount than they are just to make it a quick sell, but making it on the market for whether it be a week or two weeks and keep on posting it on eBay, it was the fact that I was a I'm not going to settle for less because I'm going to lose money on it. Uh, and sometimes there's products where uh, I'm into Hot Wheels, as funny as that is, and uh, I resell them. And the thing is, is that I, I go to people that are collectors and I'll buy a bunch or uh, Walmart because there's more valuable than others, hard to find. So I'll hunt for some every now and then. And what I find is understanding the market sometimes the most times I learn is when I fail and when I buy a car then though it's a minimal loss of a dollar because that's what Hot Wheels cost even though I'm losing a dollar I understood oh this car isn't worth a dollar to the market which is more um, offsetted to the person that would be buying it so it's like two dollars and fifty cents plus shipping seven dollars it's not worth it to them so this car I shouldn't get anymore and it's understanding and being able to learn from your failures that you're going to be able to grow a lot more in what you do so it's understanding and logically anal uh, analyzing whatever you're doing whether it be making content on your podcast or YouTube or whatever it is okay this didn't work let's try this like you have to understand what went wrong not double downing in like me on my podcast and coming up with content. I know what my best, most listened to are, and I'm trying to stay around that content. But then again, from another podcast, Lynchpin, which is becoming indispensable, you have to ship the ship. You have to own what you do and stay consistent with content because if you're forever thinking on your content or um, your plan or whatever it may be in life, you're not going to get anything done. It took Beyonce hundreds of songs before she got Halo, and we only know Beyonce from her successes, not really her beginnings. So it, it's analyzing that and putting that into factor as well. But learning from your mistakes is inevitably one of the most important things. And reestablishing a point that we just talked about is that that little whisper in your head that's like, if you just hold out a little bit longer, I'm sure the market will make a turn in whatever industry you're in. Sometimes it's hard to take a loss and we logically think, okay, it's it's going to be okay, but sometimes you're just beating a dead horse and you have to move forward after you go. After you go. That didn't make much sense. You have to move forward inevitably when you fail, and that's how we learn the most. And, but getting back to another one is uh, crowd behavior is a, dr a ma major driver of avoidable losses. So doing what the crowd does, and we've always been taught this, oh, being a follower, um, sometimes you have to be a leader. And that in the book, and I'm going to be pivoting a little bit more rather than talking about stocks and basically reframing what everything said uh, in the book and to make it more broader and make more sense in everyday life. And it was that there's so much stuff. Oh, everyone's doing Amazon FBA. Oh, everyone's doing this. Everyone's doing that. And it's when you follow markets that you end up, you know, when you don't believe in yourself and what you want to do, that it ends up taking a turn and you doing what others want to do and you're not motivated or disciplined behind it, then it's going to fail because for the most part, and you might have luck, of course, but, um, you know, it doesn't work out every single time. And it's understanding that 
you, whatever you want to do in life, going after it and doing the best you can possibly have with having that motivation and that discipline because motivation isn't going to be a key driver in everyday life as I've learned because that motivation can uh, burn out really quickly. So having that discipline is very important for those days you don't feel like work uh, working. And um, But back to the point with the, the crowd is that you have to believe in yourself and if you look at what the crowd does and oh this is how oh if I follow this person's path oh this is lawyers make the most amount of money so uh, with a, a college degree or a six or eight year or whatever they need I'm gonna do that and follow the crowd and then you're not passionate about what you do and then uh, you find out that the lawyer market is saturated because for the past 15 years it's been undersaturated and in order to make it uh, saturated that people had to pay more for lawyers and it made sense that people graduating are like okay lawyers is like a hot deal and I'm guaranteed a hundred thousand dollar paycheck every single year if I become a lawyer and then after I've talked to a uh, patent and trademark lawyer he says that uh, went to a prestigious school one of the smartest guys I've met he has a PhD in law as well as uh, 13 majors which is literally insane the guy like literally goes to school all the time and he says he, he just loves learning he'll take online classes but this guy he, that I met in Tampa at a CEO conference he goes to talk about he's like it's oversaturated if you're not going to Harvard Stanford or Yale it doesn't really matter or some other prestigious schools like Princeton it doesn't matter like you're not really gonna get hired and then you have spent a enor enormous amount of money and now you're paying off huge amount of debts so it's analyzing and understanding the crowd as well as not always following the crowd because of money or what they're doing. It's thinking about your path. And another good example is Wall Street Bets. There was a huge thing, if you didn't hear about it, GameStop and uh, AMC and a couple other stocks got shot to the moon basically because people were buying a huge market, which I think was good because it beat the big guy up, which is the hedge funds. Um, in private equity uh, so there's these huge firms that are betting that this stock price is going to go down GameStop it was inevitable because online things it was going down so they bet against it and then the the market that is public and a bunch of people in Wall Street bets literally said all right let's buy GameStop rise the price and basically it will be terrible for these people but they didn't do it based on that it was that everyone makes money blah 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 so uh, the smaller guys won in that case, but it decreased and a lot of people lost money um, and it was very volatile within that time period, although I think it's up still. Uh, and again, disclaimer, I'm not the smartest with stocks, but I understand how they work um, through former education as well as reading books and things like that. But I'm by no means a professional. It's more the things that I've read from these um, wise guys and like this guy that lost a million dollars in the stock market and his advice. So not always following it. Don't have that crowd mentality and go after what you think is the best, but analyze it. Don't just, oh, I think this is the best and go after it. You have to have logical thinking and analysis. Another main point was don't take on risk until you've made a clear plan based on solid analysis of the situation. So the investment banking firm Morgan Stanley enjoyed a great run of success throughout the terms of 1980 throughout the 1980s and the 1990s. So what was their secret? In a single word, it was planning. So the reason 
for this painstaking planning was simple. A good plan reduces the likelihood of emotion takeover in a decision-making process later on. To prevent that, it's vital that you ask yourself the big questions before you invest. Now, again, this isn't only in the stock market. I want you to think broader than this this book with the stock market. It's with uh, you know a side hustle or something you want to do on the side or your time. Your time is your most valuable asset because that is limited and it is not infinite. So, t- and within all investments, time is very important to analyze in everything you do. And uh, that wasn't in the book. That was just something that I've realized over the many books I've read and just rational thinking that I, I really sat down and thought about that. So you have to question before you invest. Again, whatever investing time, your job, whatever it may be. So what sort of investments are you making? Are they long-term, short-term? Or like, do you want to have a job long-term or short-term? Do you want to find your passion with a job? Like understanding investing your time. And then like another thing was, another question is what rules will you have to set to guide your decisions? So the, the rules like based on, and we'll get into that, all these questions in a second. Another question, will you be the sort of trader who waits for timber prices to hit a predetermined target before buying? Or in another term, uh, other than the book is like, oh, will I quit my job until I don't get a raise? Like what what is your, that's not always the best idea, not saying that, but understanding your planning and what you want long term. Um, Or are you more likely to be the investor who offloads their soybeans portfolio when their bad weather is forecasted? So like a hurricane's coming through. So you need to sell your farm stocks or whatever stock you have related to farm because it's going to wipe out uh, oranges, an orange field in uh, Florida, and it's going to ruin the stock price. Um, And one of the best advices in the terms of stock um, that I got from uh, in one of my classes, one of the most intelligent uh, professors I've had, Dr. Snow, he talked about the market, uh, and this is proven, it's not, this isn't based on, uh, you know, a fallacy or something. The stock market reflects all news within the price it's currently at. So if a, a new source comes up and it's like, breaking news, Elon Musk is buying Twitter and they're closing the deal. And you're like, oh, I'm going to buy Twitter because it's going to blow up. No, the current price is based on that news. When that information is sent out in a blink of an eye, uh, the the prices can change. The market is current in everything. And you can do a, a very premature guess like, uh, oh, I'm going to invest in Apple because maybe – uh, I'm taking an educated guess, but I need to have analysis and backup. They haven't had a mini whole lot of hits of iPhones. It's been the same old, same old. And then I invest, and then they come out with a huge iPhone, and it's like this revolutionary. It has a projector on it, some crazy technology you can't even think of, and that price goes up. And then you're like, okay, that's my goal, and now time to sell. But what if that price, it's like, oh, it's another average phone, and people are disappointed in the stock prices depreciate uh over a a period of time for the next year so it's like uh an apple isn't just based on iphone there's a lot of things behind that uh stock price other than an iphone but it's important to analyze and try analyze and understand everything that possibly could happen and analyze analyzing everything in life 
I think is important, but not analyzing too much to the point where you miss an opportunity is what's important. Um, but going back on to those questions and questioning your uh, before you invest in anything, and we just went through those questions, was don't just answer questions in your head when you're analyzing. It's important to take pen to paper so that your mission statement can be referred to uh, throughout or if you forget, whatever it may be, it's important to put pen, pencil or pen to paper in understanding that. And a quote that I want to mention in the book that I think is really good and I really want to put an emphasis basically prefacing the main point of the last one in a sentence was while you still lose money, some money with a plan, you are certain to lose more all of your money eventually without one. So again, mitigating your risk and understanding your analysis and having those questions and well thought out analyses of markets or uh, a job or your time invested or eBay if you're hustling on eBay or if you're mowing a lawn for money or posting content on Instagram, whatever it may be, it's important to understand that you are better off with a plan. So like in my terms, a business plan. So like when I'm making Simpler Living, which I just finished and I've been busy, which is why I haven't been able to produce as much episodes, was the fact that um, I had an amazing plan and I won best business plan and it was a lot of time spent into that. And although I think... um, and I'm super appreciative of that. I think other people uh, had a wonderful business plans, even better than mine, that were well more well deserving. But um, you know, based on that, and me winning the best business plan was that I was able to mitigate my risk and focus on things that were most important, and try to foresee everything while getting other people's opinions. Um, you know, not all opinions are good opinions, and especially rerouting back to the the crowd mentality. Uh, a problem that I had in my business plan was the fact that there were so many people telling me one thing and then it was contradictory to another person's opinion. And so what I realized is that I wasn't anymore making a business that I wanted. I was making a business based off other people's opinions, which was false. And it was false to myself and not being true to myself. And uh, it was at that point that I made a pivot and I was like, all right, this is it. And I don't care what anyone says. Uh, this is it. And I've done the analysis. I've done the logic. Now, it's one thing with someone that's an expert and tells you one thing. And then you're like, oh, I'm going completely against that. Um, but it was the fact that I was an expert in what I've done. I've done the research. I know there's a market. I have a, a market survey that had 620 responses. I was getting stuff from um, multiple reliable sources. I knew there was a market for simpler living. Um, and I just followed that crowd mentality that I just had to make it based on what other people's opinions were. And they didn't see the full picture. They didn't completely understand what I was going after. They hadn't done as far research. They were giving me an opinion based on their perception of the industry and not necessarily um, in their wisdom that they've learned, but it wasn't necessarily based off all the stuff that I've learned. So it's important to realize with that crowd mentality that although people give you advice in life, it's not always good advice, but it's accepting that critical feedback and moving on if it doesn't help. Thank you for your feedback. I really appreciate your time. It's very helpful and I'll look into it. And then you move on and you don't have to look into it if you don't 
I mean, I would if someone uh, that's an expert says something, but if you have research and know what you're doing, then uh, possibly just keep on going on. But I always try to look up whatever an expert is telling me, see if it's feasible. But um, people will always be contradictory of one another, and people have their own routes, own successes. So there's not one set path to become successful, but there's attributes that will get you more likely to that success, which is having a plan. And um, rerouting to another main point now is that you don't enter the market until you know how you're getting out. And that's that's with, uh, I think, your life. Like, how do you want to get out? Do you want to retire with $2 million? Do you want to retire with $1 million? Do you want to just retire with a quarter million? Do you want to retire with 100000 which isn't most ideal to live upon for 10, 15, or 20 years after you retire? Um so it's just thinking about all of that, I think, is very important. So understanding that um, how you're getting out, the planning of everything and going into detail is very important in everything that you do for the most part. But again, not overanalyzing and realizing that, okay, I haven't even done action at this part uh, by this time, So and I've missed this opportunity. So it's about moving forward and going after what you want and doing action. You can only do so much planning before uh, you have to really go after it. And so um, it's hard to stop when you're having fun in a casino. Sure, you might have lost a little money, but the night's still young and you drink. The drinks are flowing and who knows, you might turn around and get lucky even though, even though you've lost some money. But as anyone who's been in that situation will tell you, the easiest way to lose money is to fail to get out in time. So let's take Bob, for example. He's a trader who trusts his gut. He's got a great deal on timber and snapped plenty of it up at $30 a share. He knows it's going to hit $50 at the end of the month. Nice work if you can get it. Then the markets make a nosedive and the temper hits $20 from $30 he invested. Well, that's markets for you, right? Bob thinks I'm in it for the long haul. I'll get my money back soon enough. His pals on the trading floor all agree with that the price will cover and Bob should stick it out. When it pub plummets to $10 after a couple months, he's forced to accept massive losses. So what was Bob's mistake in this, this example? He racked up unnecessary additional losses because he didn't have a fixed exit strategy. We've seen the markets are a lot like a horse race without a finish line. It's up to you to turn this continuous event into a, a one-off. So that means setting a limit on how much you're willing to lose and getting, and once it's hit that point, to sell it. Uh, and then again, rewrapping it into the broader thing of everyday life is understanding like your time. Okay, I've invested this much time. It's it's not worth it at this point. If you're making something, selling something on Etsy, and you're like. I'm working for a dollar an hour. This doesn't make sense. I'm just going to have to tell the customer I'm sorry or we're going to have to raise the price, unfortunately, or maybe taking that loss but then learning from it uh, and charging a higher premium after that. So, um, And it just depends. Maybe you want to get more sales. There's a lot of dependent factors that go into this thinking, but uh, I think in the terms of stock makes it pretty uh, simple, although it's complex. Um and then another thing was um, you could keep it simple and say you'll get out by a specific date. So that's another goal of an exit strategy. Whatever you choose, planning your exit before you enter the market is one of 
the only sure surefire ways of ensuring that your decisions won't be affected by emotions, logical fallacies, or behavior of the crowd. So plan your exit before you enter the markets. How much can you afford to lose? Once you've got a number, stick to it. It's the only way you'll know you're making reasoned decisions, not following your gut or the crowd. So having that exit plan, if, if the price hits this, then I'm just selling. It doesn't matter if it goes up 10 times in the next month. Logically, I'm selling because we don't, we can't predict the market and what the market, the mass market thinks of something. And um, so let's see, let's wrap it up now. We're about at 42 minutes. So financial losses quickly spiral out of control when we make emotional decisions and don't think clearly. Carefully, rationally planning sets you up for success. There are hundreds of ways to get rich, but there's one thing everyone who has made and kept their fortune in common. They know how to avoid and minimize their losses. Some actionable advice is to analyze your decision-making process. Take a moment to think about how you will make your financial decisions. Do you always start out with a clear plan and guidelines to which you can refer to later? Or do you sometimes make impulsive decisions or find yourself going along with the crowd? Be honest. Remember, the air is human. But once you start recognizing how emotions can get better of logic and start dedicating decision-making, you'll have taken the first step of making better decisions. So that being the final wrap-up and summary, I really want you guys to understand that um, this was based on this whole book, uh, How I Lost a Million, was based on stocks. But the, the overall message from what I got from it, um, besides my note just off the top of my head more or less, is to have a clear plan, have an exit strategy, as well as, and that's uh, really it, <laughs> plan. So that means uh, understanding your market, doing the research, and having a clear-cut uh, exit strategy in whatever you do in life. And especially as we get to retire, understanding this is important. And I think investing, and um, I think it's pretty sound advice because you mitigate risk when you diversify your portfolio. But Warren Buffett's the guy with uh, billions of millions or billions of dollars, and his advice is to um, focus on a specific industry, which sometimes is hard because if that takes a hit, then uh, what do you have to lean back on? Whereas, um, you know, an index fund that's diversified, it, that makes a 12% return over the past since it's been open, the stock market, it just makes sense to invest in a diversified thing. But you're not going to make as much money, but you don't have as much risk. You could lose a lot more money if you are, aren't diversified and you're in a single market. So um, plan, analyze, plan, analyze your plan, analyze your plan, and understand to not go off emotional uh, thoughts. And, um, you know, emotional thoughts have a time and place, uh, not really dealing with money, though. Uh, for the most part, there's some uh, things that are out there uh, that could, but the overall thing is that. And um, I just want to let you guys know, I appreciate all your time. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, but just a quick thing to catch you guys up. I, I gave my uh, final pitch for my major entrepreneurship and innovation. I passed, uh, got my business plan. I presented my pitch deck, all that stuff. So it was very stressful within that time frame. But now it's 
uh, going well, and I see myself uh, kind of getting on track. It's an, I'm not sure if it's going to be every week release, but I want to stay consistent. So um, it's more or less I don't I want to ship the ship, as in have all, a bunch of content out there. But I want to have good content. I don't want to oversaturate my uh, episodes and make them worse overall. So um, with that being said, I'm going to be uh, looking into more episodes and more guests. So look out for that. And I will be seeing you guys on the next episode. With that being said, cue the outro. This has been the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Catch you guys next time.